Hello. Hey, how's it going? I'm so tired. Yeah. This week was a, this week was a struggle for me. I I feel that because it was um quite busy on my for end you? as well. Yeah, yeah, what happened? Just so much came through um just during the week, and then I had to go to Manhattan yesterday for Ew. work to cover something. Um, yeah, which is interesting because that's not usually my job, <laughs> but my team handles that. It's hard to explain because yeah. there's like departments within departments, but my particular department is basically split up into two and the other group handles that. But I was like, yeah, sure. I have a journalism degree, so I guess I can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so I had to go to Manhattan, which like, as you know, it's a whole process. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just tasted my drink. Way too strong again. What yeah, What are you drinking? Um, we had some leftover rum from last <gasps> weekend. Are you having a Jack and Coke? It's the Captain Morgan and Coke. So basically like the same thing. Yeah, basically. It's a spiced That's... rum. Mm-hmm. This week was just really stressful because like I've just been waiting to hear back about this job. Right. And they said they'd let me know by the end of this week. And I didn't hear anything yesterday. And I'm just like my focus bar my ADHD like just like was not there I could have whipped (laughs) through this book in like three hours and it took me days to get through because I just couldn't focus oh boy and anything else um I mean I feel like since you've clicked on this podcast you should know by now that we are really bad at introing it but this is bookaholics anonymous (laughs) Uh, I'm Alicia and I'm Francesca and uh, and yeah we uh don't really remember to do that frequently no (laughs) <laughs> no 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 we should like have a script that we just roll through in the beginning honestly yeah that it would include um our drinks because sometimes we forget that even yeah um yeah what are you drinking what are you oh, drinking because we talked about yeah i drinking. didn't even say it. i'm having another dry rosé cider that Ooh. i had last week pretty good Mm-hmm. yeah she says as she chugs yeah pretty good uh, yeah. Uh, uh, glug 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 so do you want to do you have anything you want to add or are you ready I'm to get to started think. I don't think that, oh, I finished, I don't think, I think I ended up cutting this out because my episode last week was insanely long, but I finished Chain of Iron and now I'm like debating if I want to reread it because I love the book so much. (laughs) Must, um, I love that. I was texting, so I was sending you, well, I'll I'll tell this part later, but um, are you ready to get into it? Because like I'm I'm about to start talking about my book anyway. Right. So I'm just going to start with the trigger warning. (laughs) Shocking. Um, there's a brief mention of suicidal thoughts. This is what I was going to say was the book is kind of sexually explicit and I was cracking up reading some of it because not only am I a child, Rude. but it was just funny and I was just sending screenshot after screenshot to my friend. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll preview those, those funny moments in here because this is going to be a short one. This book ooh, was maybe like... 200 pages like it really was a quickie it's like the um how to lose a time war yeah so it's called the uh, it's called summer water by sarah moss and i've read her books before i read ghost wall by her and absolutely loved it so when i saw that she had a new one that just came out in august or july i think i was like perfect i love this and ghost wall was really short too got it 10 out of 10 recommend it great book and this one was fantastic too she is definitely more of a literary fiction writer than just a fiction writer. 
which I, I don't think some people realize, but there is a difference between literary fiction and standard fiction. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like it's pretty straightforward as soon as you yeah. read it. Um, you, you would tell. you would definitely know you picking up your first literary fiction. You're definitely gonna notice a difference in the writing quality and the writing in general. Yeah. So this one was definitely more leaning towards the literary side. There was really beautiful descriptions of nature and just beautiful writing. I love the way she writes. So this book. I don't know. Like I don't know how to start it, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dive in. Just gonna oh boy, d- jump right in. So it's set in Scotland on this very secluded mountainside. Just a bunch of like cluster of cabins that people will rent out and things like that. Like it's very secluded. One road in and out. Uh, no cell service. That kind of thing. And it's gonna take place. It takes place over the course of just one day. Oh shit! Book. All right. And just like it's during the summer, just keep in mind all day it's raining, like torrential rain. Damn. So there are a lot of characters in this. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go slow. Well, I won't go slow, but interrupt me if you get confused. Okay. So the book starts with a mom, Justine. She's probably in her mid to late thirties. She's from somewhere in northern England. And she's obviously renting one of the cabins with her husband, Steve, and their two young sons. Okay. So she will wake up before her husband often and pretty early. I think it says this day she wakes up at like 530 in the morning and she runs every day, every morning. She will make sure she crawls out of bed silently so she doesn't wake him up and before her sons wake up and she'll just go running and While she's running, she thinks about how much of her life she would have done differently if she knew that this was how it was going to turn out. So she thinks about how mood, right? She thinks about how she would have traveled more and seen more of the world before the end of, like, during her 20s and things like that. She also mentions she wishes she'd done this before she settled for Steve. Specifically says settled. Oh, that's a big yikes. Got him. <laughs> um, and you can tell, like, it's not a very, ha- like, it's not a bad marriage, but it's clear that the two of them are just, like. Indifferent to each other? Yeah, indifferent. That's the word I'm looking for. Indifferent towards each other. She says she wishes he was, like, more, he took care of himself more and kind of, like, stepped up more in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and she makes this great reference to her family as at least. She says, at least two beloved souls, so her sons, and one mostly tolerated. <laughs> I'm like, damn, all right. Okay. That's great. She ha- Sarah Moss has some really great lines in here. And like I did with the project, I will outwardly say this is directly from the book because, again, I don't want anyone to think I'm more intelligent than I am with the phrasing of some things because, let's face it, I'm not that smart. <laughs> Which, okay, off topic, but I'm going to keep this in anyway. I don't really care. On Sunday when we had, we had a small gathering, COVID guideline following event for my dad's birthday, where we had like a food truck come. We all wore masks and we set up on our driveway and people came and got food to like celebrate him and his birthday, whatever. And it was like, they'd come, they'd say happy birthday, eat and then dip. And people from my parents' church came and obviously I have to be outside because it's my fucking house. And 
my mom's talking to one of them and she, I walk up to them just to say hi because her pastor was there. That's polite. And, yes. And she goes, oh, this is my severely dyslexic daughter. <laughs> and I was like, mom, she's never done that before. She gets so angry when I do that. And a few days. So like the next night was my dad's actual birthday. And we were at dinner and I told my two sisters and my brother-in-law and they started cracking up. And my mom's like, no, like, that's not what I meant. Because she was telling them how I just finished my master's. And, like, of all things to get my master's in, it was publishing and, like, how great it is. And the next day, like, the, like not the next day, but, like, a couple days later, she's like, I wanted to apologize because I don't want you to feel bad. Like, I hope I didn't embarrass you on Sunday. I was like, no, that was fucking hilarious. I'm so proud of you. Severely dyslexic. Severely <laughs> dyslexic. I was like, that is my title. And I never want to get yelled at for referring to myself as that again. Okay? That just that just reminded me of that. I don't know why. But anyway, back to the book. So she's out running. Justine is running in the rain, essentially. And every everything everyone does in this book is, like, during some bout of rain, whether it's light rain or heavy rain, it's raining. Right. So... She's careful not to make too much noise when she leaves the house. As she's running, she runs past another cabin that she refers to as the Romanians that were blasting music all night long the night before. So, like, nobody got sleep. She also notices an old man sitting on his porch, drinking his tea, kind of just looking out at the rain. She also thinks about a killer jumping out of the woods and murdering her, which is, like, so valid. Yeah. So valid. When I'm running outside and... In my literal, in like Brooklyn, I think about that too. Obviously. So. Like, yeah. Also, kudos to Sarah Moss. She roasts the ever living shit out of America whenever she can during this book. And they're all valid. Like, it's not like she's saying anything that's not factually true. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like any other country you can make fun of us, but the UK. Scotland is different. But- no. No. Uh, uh, no. Maybe no. that's just because I love Outlander. That might be a little space in my heart where I'm like, okay. Because it's not like she's just roasting us for the sake of roasting us. She makes some valid points. So, like, for example, this part, she's um, Justine's running, and she's like, well, you know, we're in Scotland. Maybe someone will jump out. Probably not. And she's like, oh, she talks about how, like, psychopaths hang out in holiday parks, but only in America. What are holiday parks? Like, we're like camping campsites and things like that where people will go camping you know what i mean just campsites yosemite and things like that yeah why do you call it a holiday park because it's a vacation spot but they call it a holiday park because it's england or the uk sorry it's it's in scotland not england i just feel like campsite makes more sense because you don't i guess since they call it a vacation but like i really also have to remember the i camp a lot I don't really consider camping a vacation. <laughs> like, it's you, fun, don't get me wrong, but... You share the same views as a few other characters in this book. That being said, I think it's just... But but that's so unfactually not true. Like No, but, like, that is what they would call it in the UK. It's not no, necessarily but like, what we would call pe- it. But I just don't... Psychopaths live everywhere. Like... Yeah, but, like... I just don't think that's a valid criticism. I do. Because psychopaths are going to kill you... You got, they're everywhere. Yeah, and but I just think it's, it's not funny. just it's like just... an American thing. Well, anyway. I don't know. You can't some... keep your opinions to yourself. I don't <laughs> want to talk to the colonizers who's colonized half this world. <laughs> India, well, she has, she has some other ones 
that China you're gonna agree even, with. You can criticize me all you want. UK, keep your mouth shut. I don't hear it. She does have another point that I think is funny that I'll bring up later. Okay. But, um, so she also thinks about as she's running how, you know, like, old women will, like, stare at her and, like, she's been skinny shamed before, which I am all for body positivity movement. I own up to it. If I tell my friend to eat a hamburger and she's like, don't say that, like, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've done that before. And I've always just, like, owned up to my shit. But I've never was, like, doing it to shame them. Right. Doing it because I was concerned for their well-being. And it just happens that their body works like that. They don't get fat like I do. So (laughs) she thinks about it one specific time where she's running and someone mumbled under her breath, skinny bitch. And she's like, in my mind, as I ran past them, I thought, what are you going to do? Chase me? And I was like, damn. That was great. Damn. Got him. So she describes, like, the slugs and the puddles of all around. And I just can visualize myself eating absolute shit. Just eating Yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, I, when it's nice out, run, like, two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And running in the rain, it's a, I'm a hazard to society when that happens. <laughs> like, My, this girl just, has some coordination that I need. I just picture the, the YouTube clip of the woman, like, saying, it's great <laughs> to run in the snow. It's the perfect yes. texture. And she runs away and just eats <laughs> shit. Yes. Yes. But then she, so as she's running, she's thinking about maybe having sex when she gets back to the the cabin, maybe. She refers to it as like oiling your bike chain. Doesn't have to be fun, but it stops things from falling apart. (laughs) Okay. Go off, sis. And then she also thinks about having to do some grooming down south if they're going to have sex. But she also thinks that her big bush and her ability to run away fast can also deter a bad guy from <laughs> jumping her. I love like, that. Yeah. Wait, so how long her, has her and her husband been married for? Um, I don't know. They have a... They, her sons are under 10 years old, but not under five. So, like, they've been married for a I'm while, but it doesn't... I'm just trying to determine if, like, you've been married that long. Would your husband even care? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't... I can't... I can't know because I'm not married, so... <laughs> So hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Did your husband get offended when you have a bush? Anyway, so she notices a tent like set up near the entrance to the cabin's roads and how weird it is that someone would just like camp out in a tent like at that spot. Yeah, that is dangerous. So we find out that she had actually collapsed at work like a few months earlier and that she has a hole, a vole, excuse me, a vole in her upper ventricle. And her doctor has told her to stop running, but if she has to run, don't do it alone. She has a vole? I guess it's like, I don't, I didn't look it up. I don't. I just think of the animal vole. I don't know. There was an animal called a vole. Oh yeah. They're like a mole, but it's like, they're kind of smaller. I'm pretty sure. But yeah. Oh, fun. Well, so she, I guess I would equate it to like a hole. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But she has like these heart problems, but she's still doing like 20 Ks on the reg. Wow. Couldn't be me. Yeah. I don't have a hole in my heart. (laughs) So now we switch over to David. He's a retired doctor originally from Scotland. He gets up while his wife Mary sleeps and he's standing by the French doors in their cabin watching Justine on her run. So he's the old man Justine had seen while she was running. 
He also makes like a that. comment about how she shouldn't be jogging without a shirt on at her age. Which, like, keep your opinions to yourself, old man. You're the creeper watching her run. I want to hear it. He also looks behind to see, behind her to see if anyone's following her, like, to hurt, hurt her. And it's like, I love how everyone is so concerned with the serial killer in the woods. I know. So he and his wife are the only original cabin owners left. Everyone else in the park is, like, renting their cabins. But okay. he's, like, one of the original owners. Actually, that's not true. Someone else's family owns... Anyway, most <laughs> of the other people are are renting their cabins but he and his wife were like the first only ones left that had originally bought their cabin when it was Got first it. built um he also makes a comment about the romanians playing their music all night and how that never would have happened 10 years ago go off he also said since he's retired he's noticed that his wife does not shit um and i was like wow how long have they been married that she's been able to maintain the illusion that women don't poop like that's pretty that. incredible i hate that men have that like preconceived notion like are you actually dumb did you take biology? Did they not read the book Everyone Poops? <laughs> it just everybody me. poops. Pretty sure it's everybody poops. I don't so know. So I think it's it... like a body so that you can talk about animals pooping and things like that. I don't know. I didn't read it. Or it's been a while since I've read it. I should probably buy that for Aiden for his fifth birthday. I think Becca would really appreciate that. <laughs> Isn't he already potty trained? Yeah, but it's still <laughs> funny. Like... His birthday's next week, so. But anyway, the two of them, him and his wife, married, decide they want to go to a cafe across the loch or the lake. I'm going to assume it's a, a loch is a lake, right? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know either, so. Um, Mary is a very con- cautious old lady, like very, like often worried about falling down on wet stairs and crossing the big gap on the ferry. Like she's very aware that she's old. As she should. <laughs> But there's this really sweet moment where she grabs hold of his arm as they walk. Like, she's holding onto his bicep. And he just, like, pats her hand and, like, gives it a squeeze. And they look at each other and smile. And it's like, sometimes old people can be cute. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So when they get to the cafe, they she goes there so she can, like, sit in the window and just draw. Like, she that's what she does when they go to the cafe. Oh, that's so cute. And sometimes he'll join her, but he asks if she minds if he goes for a walk, and she just, like, kind of waves him off. Like, she, like, really doesn't care if he leaves. Yeah, she's like, whatever. And when he goes for the walk, he immediately regrets it because, like, he can feel his, like, joints aching, which, been there. <laughs> and, but he's too stubborn to go back to the cafe, so he just keeps walking. So now we flip to Millie, who is one half of an engaged couple staying at her fiancé's family cabin. Okay, okay. So his parents own the cabin. Right. So they're not renting it, but, like, they don't own the cabin. Anyway, so he is very... Okay, this part is, like, kind of graphic. Okay, I don't really care. I'm not... We're not going to do that. Um, He is very insistent they have simultaneous orgasms. She doesn't understand why. He thinks... Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) <laughs> he thinks that, like, that is a determinant if they're going to, like, be happy for the rest of their lives. If, like, they're one of the few people they can do, that can do that. I don't, I don't know. Um, so, okay. he's, like, down there. Seems like a weird thing to focus on, but. Yes. There's. You use this. He's a man. What do you expect? True. True. Um, so, while he's, you know, going to work, she's just leaning back and thinking about Don Draper. Rightfully so. Which TBH been there, done that. Not Don Draper, but still. Oh my gosh. (sighs) She remembers reading a book about how women should express their sexual desires. But at the same time, she thinks if you're with someone, 
you shouldn't have to verbalize what you want. They should just know already. Um, okay, interesting. Like, if you've been with someone long enough, they should know what you like and what you don't like and what you want. I guess so. I mean, you're not David. Extent. You're not David and Mary. You haven't been together for, like, 100 years. True. You still need to tell them what you want. Right. She also said that once I got engaged, she was going to stop faking it. So, <laughs> all right. Good luck to her. Yeah, right? So their relationship is also kind of the reverse of societal norms, if you will. So she makes more money than him, and he's the one that does the cleaning and the cooking kind of thing. Okay. And so, like, there's that kind of power shift. Mm-hmm. She also starts thinking about how her future mother-in-law's decor taste is tacky as hell. And then she remembers she's in the middle of sex, and her mind just goes right back to Don Draper. Don Draper. We also find out that the couple is moving to Barra after the wedding, which is like a small island. I didn't look it up. They just refer to it as the island. So wherever that is, let us know because I don't do my research. (laughs) She also, so she's lying there, you know, he's doing his thing down south and she's heavily thinking about what their house is going to look like and just like literally mentally decorating this as he's doing that. And I was like, what, what a mood. Yeah. Literally, like, me to a T. Um, but then she starts talking about how she donated to the children at the Mexico-American border and how hard it must have been for them to be away from their parents because she said that when she and Josh first got together, she made it very clear she wants kids. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, that this is just – it was going to be a waste of both of their time. So mm-hmm. then it, she brings up this, and she's like, think about the Holocaust – like, and how those kids must felt feel. And then, she again, she remembers she's having sex. Not the best time. <laughs> so when they, when they finally achieve those simultaneous orgasms, he tells her that she's gorgeous and she sucks in her stomach. And I'm like, same girl. <laughs> but the further I got into this book, part of me wondered if she said that, like, she sucked in her stomach because, like, most girls, like, do that when they're trying to be pretty. Or if it's because of other things. But anyway, interesting. so she gets up to make tea and out the window, she sees David and his wife have left in what she calls their shiny boomer mobile, <laughs> which I will not be calling my dad's car anything but that from now on. Oh, my God. So she also sees Justine struggling to get her boys into their car while Steve sits behind the driver's seat and does absolutely nothing. Absolutely not. Nope. Absolutely no. No. So now now we flip. Now we flip. To Lola, who is a big sister of Jack. So their mom goes up to the two of them and tells them, maybe like go down to the lake for a little bit while it's just like drizzling. It's not like super heavy. But Mm -hmm. make sure that Lola has her inhaler because she can get wheezy when it rains. I do not like where this is going. Ow, my knee just twisted in a way it should not. Gross. So this chapter is very much like stream of Lola's conscious consciousness. Uh, when they're down at the lake, you know, Jack runs off and gets a big stick and pretends he's like playing war games. Mood. <laughs> and Lola's at the the shore of the loch. Excuse me, I keep calling it a lake. I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, but she's also very aware of her mother's hypervigilance. She can, she can feel her watching from the window as they play in the puddles and like throw, try and skip rocks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Lola gets up on this big boulder and she prepares to get on this rope swing that like goes back and forth over the water 
and you can get stuck over the loch if you're not careful. And I was like, this is giving me Bridge to Terabithia vibes. We don't do this. Right. Like, I've already been traumatized by rope (laughs) swings in my life. I don't need it again. For real. That was a traumatizing moment in childhood. We all bond. We all have that shared (laughs) trauma bonding from that. Right. (laughs) So she mentions that her mom gets upset when she considers what could happen if she's on the rope swing. But their dad thinks it's funny that their mom, like, gets upset. And I'm like, that's such a dad. Yeah. Sounds about right. So while she's on the swing, she notices a little girl on the shore watching her. And she's, like, about Lola's age. Lola notices the girl isn't dressed appropriately. So she knew she wasn't from the area. Mm -hmm. And the girl asks if she can have a turn on the swing. And Lola lets her, but said something about her looking like a witch on a broomstick. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So naturally, the little girl gets stuck over the lake because she doesn't know what she's doing, essentially. Right. So Lola knows she can help when the girl calls out, but instead, like, insidiously, like, smiles because she knew the girl was going to get, like, stuck. And so instead of helping her, she starts questioning her. So she asks her what her name is, and it's Violetta. She asks her where she's from, and she says Glasgow. Is it Glasgow or Glasgow? I think it's... I'm trying to think. One of my favorite TikTok people is from Scotland, and I don't want to offend her, but I feel like I'm going to anyway. Yeah, I can't so, tell you. I don't remember from my Doctor Who days. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Lola refuses to believe she's from there <laughs> and says, quote, uh, says she's from, quote, somewhere people scream and yell like bub baboons all night and keep everyone awake with their so-called music somewhere people don't know how to behave she so she also tells violetta that her dad was going to call the cops because it wasn't fair the baboons were keeping the babies and old people awake all night this is starting to sound racist yeah so violetta continues to hang there like helplessly just like looking for help lola looks around assessing the stones and thinks she doesn't need them to bounce I do not. This children are scary. Yeah, <laughs> I love children, but they but can be scary. fucking scary. Yeah. So she also has like these interlude chapters between changing POVs, mm-hmm. where she mm-hmm. describes the nature of the area and things like that. And a phrase I thought was interesting, interesting that was included was that there will be deaths by morning. Suspicious. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's um, suspicious. Don't like that. So now we switch to Alex, who's, I'm going to say, probably around 16, because the drinking age in the UK is 18, and he's not old enough to go to the pub nearby to get drinks, because they constantly talk about going to the pub because it has Wi-Fi, because nobody has Wi-Fi up there. Right. Why don't they make fun of us for our high drinking age? That one's wide open, fam. Yeah. Right? Wide open. That's for you. That is all for you. (laughs) So... His age, so in in this middle of this torrential rain, he gets into an argument with his parents and storms out with the kayak. Oops. And okay, that's a bad idea. So his sister, younger sister Becky, complains about how the meal hasn't been cleared up and why it's always her responsibility to clean up the kitchen. Go off, sis. I was like, I feel that on a spiritual level, being the youngest, it was always like left to me. Even though my sisters and I were supposed to share that responsibility, but I digress. This is not a therapy <laughs> session. <laughs> so Alex like drags this shit down to the shore and he looks up and sees a little girl and her baby brother 
with their faces pressed into the window watching and like waving at him oh that's so cute i know um and she has this great quote that says the scottish sky is better at obscenities than any human voice which i just think is so like eloquently put to describe like a huge storm like that right so alex as he's bringing the kayak down notices a stray shoe on the shore that is like the wrong kind of shoe to be wearing it's like patent leather it has like flowers on it which is the description of the shoes violetta was wearing right that kind of gave away she was not from the area right so he gets in his kayak and he's just like thinking about like running away He's just like, what if I take this kayak to the other side of the loch and get on a train and go home and steal mom's credit cards and just go to another country? And now here's where we get another jab at America that I think is a little oh fair. He says, Wait, not America. On, but that teen angst there? Wow. Yeah. Go he off. He says, not America, though it's the obvious choice where people have always gone, but racists and guns and complete fucking nutters is not funny anymore. <laughs> not even funny anymore. Which... But they act like they're not racist. Ma'am, you invented racism. <laughs> where do you think we learned it from? I'm done. The queen, Again. that family is like the older sister that refuses to take responsibility for teaching the little brother like the bad words. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Again, Europe, rest of Europe, Asia, have at it. It's Africa, South America, Canada, Africa particularly. Right, they have full reign. They Literally can... anyone else but the UK. So then Come he also us. says, he also says Canada or, or Canada aren't they nicer than than the Americans? The answer is probably yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. It depends where you go. Quebec. Oh my god. They scare me. I can say that. Yeah, you are almost succeed. Did you get your papers already? Um, no. Um, oh, right, 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 right. Any right. of our fellow Canadian listeners out there know, um, the government takes a long time. Yes. And I emailed them and they basically told me the, what, what's on the website is not accurate, but then told me to check the website <laughs> for the most accurate information. <laughs> so as he's does like a u-turn and goes back he's like fighting against the current it's freezing cold like to the point where his fingers are just like numb that he can't even like pry his fingers off of the what's it called paddle paddle not an oar a paddle right um he also starts thinking about the guy in the tent that i mentioned previously right um what he could possibly be doing down during a downpour like this when he finally gets to the jetty to get off of the kayak, he knows everyone in the cabins are definitely watching him. <laughs> well, sir, you should not have taken a kayak out during a torrential rainstorm. So then we flip to Claire, who is wife of John, and mom okay. to Izzy and Patrick. So her five-year-old daughter, Izzy, calls her over to... The, she's, like, at the sink cleaning, and Izzy calls her over to the windows to show Claire Alex carrying the kayak down to the lake Mm -hmm. so claire thinks he must be tired like why is he doing this he has to be tired because everyone was up half the night because of the romanians next door who were just blasting music she's like but i don't mind the party partying though like knowing everyone's young ones like she doesn't hold it against them kind of right she says she saw violetta playing with lola and jack but that lola and jack didn't seem very nice because like 
they were playing like war games and like yelling at her and things like that. So they're racist. Claire considers <laughs> what her future is going to look like when her two kids are teenagers. Another dig at America that this one I also again think is valid because it's directed at Trump. That's always valid. Yeah. So she says, assuming we're still here by then, assuming no demented president has pressed his big red button and there's still air to breathe and water to drink. This was also published before the election in November, to be clear. So this is directed at Trump. Yeah. Right. So Claire goes back to cleaning when her husband John comes out with baby Patrick in his arms. John offers to take the kids down to the Loch Shore so Claire can kind of just have like an hour to herself I was like, we love an attentive husband. We love when he's like, take some time for you, boo. You want to take a bath? Take a bath. You want to paint your toenails? Paint your toenails. We stan. We stan a loving husband. So most of most of the time, she after they leave, she's trying to decide what to do for the hour. She feels like if she keeps cleaning, she'll disappoint John because then he'll feel like she rejected the gift he gave her of like having the hour to herself. Right. She also hates taking baths. So she decides to try and find a candle for like a candle at dinner that they can have together after the kids go to bed. And then she looks out the window to watch John and the kids and sees John carrying Patrick on his hip and says, say what you will about feminism. Men are not built to carry babies. (laughs) That's funny. So then he like moves Patrick to the other side and shows Izzy how to skip rocks on the water, but he's not very good at it. <laughs> so Claire decides to make tea for the two of them and brings it down to the shore. And the kids get really excited to see her. And she says, they won't always love her this much, she thinks. Holding her son, no one else, not even her children's future selves, will ever be so pleased to see her coming as they are today. And I was like, damn, that's, that's sad. Like, that's kind of sad. Anyway, so now we flip back to Mary, Mary, David's wife. They're back in their cabin, and she's missing something from her drawing bag, but she can't remember what it is. This, I feel like, is a great quote to encapsulate marriage as a whole and the view a lot of people have about politics, regardless of the country you live in. Those are such wide-ranging topics. She says, getting married is like voting in that whatever you choose, the outcome will be at best mildly unsatisfactory four years down the line. I feel like that's kind of sad. Yeah, but it's kind of true. I don't think so. I mean, like in voting. Well, in voting for sure. Yeah. A thousand percent. But I hope that's not how people view it, like how you see your husband and or your spouse, your partner in like four years. <laughs> I sent that quote to my friend Haley. And she was like, I was like, I feel like this is your view of marriage and politics. And she's like, God damn it is because she doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to have kids. And that's totally her choice. I mean, that's fine. But I just feel like if you're going to get married, like, yeah, you should not have that like opinion because then you shouldn't get married. You should just choose to like have a long term like partnership. partnership. Yeah. So she's clearly like losing her memories and things like that. But she doesn't tell David Because he'd only worried, and there's literally nothing they can really do at this point. That's so sad. It is really sad. Like, given the fact that one of my grandmothers had dementia before she died, I remember the last conversation I had with her. She called, and my sister was looking at colleges with my mom. And I was just, like, on the phone. I was like, oh, yeah, they're up looking at Roger Williams, the university. And she's like, oh, I know Roger Williams. He was in a band. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think that's right. (laughs) Mood. 
don't think that's right. That is not correct. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So she goes over to check her purse for whatever it is she's missing. And she sees Claire with her family on the shore through the window. She sees Claire sitting on the boulder with Patrick on her knee while John helps Izzy, like, skip rocks. And she just, like, has this, like, sweet moment. But then she also notices that Claire and John are drinking from cups from the cabin and makes, like, the oldest lady remark where she's like, oh, they shouldn't be using those because if they break them, they're going to have to pay for them. (laughs) Okay. So then she forgets why she went over to her purse in the first place. Uh, and decides she wants to start cooking and goes to the back door to get herbs. Herbs? Herbs. 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 Herbs, Herbs, I think, is what they say in the UK, though. Herbs. Okay. So the door is, like, not opening, and John's like, what are are you doing? And she tells him she's going to get the herbs. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. he says, we haven't had mint or anything like that up up here in years because the squirrels kept eating them. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, of course. My bad. And she, like, walks <laughs> into the kitchen. And David's, like, watching her, like, what the fuck? So now we flip back to Becky, Alex's little sister. And this is where I'll put the trigger warning in for some suicidal tendencies. So she gets into an argument with her mother about how to clean one of the pots after dinner, which if I had a nickel for every time that happened, I would never have to work a day in my life. Yeah, for real. Like. So Becky says she wants to be dead. <laughs> I don't know if that's teenage angst or if she's right. like actually suicidal. She men- mentions she's tried cutting, but no actual like real full-blown attempts on her own life. While while discussing how to clean this pot, like that's what she's this thinking is, about. Like, yeah, like damn. Like she's just like, "Oh, I want to be dead." Like I didn't choose to be born. And I was like, "Damn." I've that seems pretty that. serious. I feel like even in teen, teen angst, I wasn't going in that hard when I got into an <laughs> argument about cleaning. Well, I think it was mom. like a, a a lot more than just that, but it was just like a culmination of all of it. And that's what she was thinking about. Oh, anyway. So she decides she's going to go see the soldier, Gavin, who's been staying at the tent again tonight. And I'm going to put Becky's age around like 14. I'm going to say Cause she's younger than um, Alex, but not. But she's still a teenager. Right. So she gets into another fight with her parents about drying and putting the dishes away. Oh, my goodness. And the dad's like, do it or you'll be in trouble. And she turns around and says, trouble? Like, what trouble? What? Saying every, saying it when every teenager has ever thought that, but never has actually said it to their parents. Like, what kind of trouble? What are you going to do? Like, the back talk. I definitely did not have these thoughts as a teenager. What? You never, when your parents were like, do it or you'll be in trouble. And you were like, in your mind, you're like, like what? What are you going to do? But you no, never because I it. knew what they would do. <laughs> what do you mean? I also was like a very anxious child and like had like hardcore like achievement and like uh, just achievement issues. Like <laughs> I had to be good. I had like very much like the Taylor Swift as like Taylor Swift syndrome, you mm. have to be the good girl. You have to do everything right. You want to be. This is nice what you get people. for listening to Taylor Swift your entire life. Yeah, like mm. oh, you want to be the good girl. You want to be. You want to do everything how you're supposed to. You don't want to offend anyone. So that's yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> I was an unmedicated ADHD. So you're like, it's not a phase, mom. Not that I wasn't unmedicated. I self chose not to medicate. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, not, not my parents. They thought I was taking it. But anyway, 
so <laughs> we digress <laughs> we digress again um but she she dries it and she goes to her room and just lays down and there's another beautiful line that i think really is a beautiful description of how some people feel about depression until the season in her head changed and she feels like getting up or maybe that will never happen and i think that's like a really great way of like kind of describing how depression feels like right so she takes one of Alex's sweatshirts and sneaks out through the bedroom window so her parents don't know that she's going to Gavin's. So she says she's met the Ukrainians in the other cabin. <laughs> okay. Everyone else was, like, referring to them as, right. like, obviously, like, a racist undertone because they didn't know what she was. But she, it's, like, definitive that they're Ukrainian because she talked to them. And she's, like, the first thing that the mother said to her was that she's been in the country for 20 years and she pays her taxes. So, clearly, she's dealt with racism before. Yeah, yikes. Um, but she also mentions not seeing the little girl for a couple days, figuring she's gone back to wherever Glasgow they're from. <laughs> I just can't say that town without offending people because it's probably wrong. Anyway, so <laughs> Becky is, like, sneaking around the other cabin so her parents don't see her. So now we flip back to Josh, the other half of the engaged couple. He's the one cooking dinner, and he's thinking about how they'll eventually have to go back to society, but he likes just, like, being there with her. Millie is a really big reader. She wants lots of bookshelves, styles he's never seen before, but he's willing to build them for her. Aw, perfect relationship right there. Right? Like, everything I want in a man. Right. He offers to take her to the pub, and she says, no, let's go out another night somewhere good. And he thinks in his mind he used to eat at the pub with his parents as a treat. Oh. And she just shit on that real quick. Millie spots Becky sneaking out to Gavin's tent. Josh gets confused about which girl she's talking about because he heard the girls down by the shore earlier playing the war games and heard lots of shrieking. I personally think it was Lola throwing rocks at Violetta because that makes the most sense. Right. He also isn't entirely sure about their move to the island and that Millie is kind of like fake environmentally conscious. Mm -hmm. Like she talks about like bird watching and seeing the stars and like how great it's going to be when they move. But he's never actually seen her do any of those things before right. like, where they live now. So she asks if she can open a bottle of wine and he knows that she needs it to like get through the night because mm -hmm. he's not enough for her. Mm hmm. And they're talking about the, the cabin next door playing music. And she says, next time the Russians have a party, we should go over and introduce ourselves. Wow. Now they're Russian? Yeah. It's giving me like Knives Out vibes when they kept referring to Anna Diarmas's character as different countries, like where she's from as like different places. Right. Because I just didn't care to know. It's ironic because we actually did have Russian neighbors on my street and we called them the Russians because <laughs> we knew them. Yeah. And they were quite the characters. Pretty. They had like big scary dogs. At one time the dog like got off the leash and like ran Ooh. down the road. Huge dog. Huge ass dog. Ran down the road. And the the kid who was also in my grade, um, I know his name, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Is going down the road, chasing it. And he finally caught up to it in our yard. And we're all like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> please don't kill oh. us. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank goodness. This one got out. This one's the nice one. The other ones, the other ones are super fucking mean. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I would> die. <laughs> but anyways, um, 
So it flips back to Izzy, Claire's daughter. It's bedtime and she can't sleep. She's seen Violetta out riding her bike at night. And Violetta would always wave at her, but she she wasn't there that night. She's, like, sitting and, like, looking out the window because uh, she can't sleep. She's scared of the man in the woods who stands by the forest edge and just, like, watches the cabins at night, which uh, is, like, super creepy. And then that. she also notices Becky sneaking back into her cabin. She wants to get out of bed and find her dad, but she's scared of whoever is hiding under her bed. Which is just, like, so sweet. And she just, she immediately feels like she wants to go home because she's scared that a burglar is going to break into their house and steal all of her stuffed animals. <laughs> I love that. I know. So then, out of her eyesight, the music starts to play. So Justine's husband, Steve, we flip to him. And the opening line for this chapter is, he's not being racist. He's being racist. Not to be racist, but... but um, And he's pissed about the music he thinks they can spend all the time they want like just deafening themselves if they want to but do it somewhere else like where they came from excuse me sir your racism is showing right so he paces around the cabin just like working himself up more and more over this music justine has her headphones in because she's watching something on her laptop and he like is like we should do something about this and she like takes her headphone out and she's like what Oh, yeah. And then just puts it back in and just keeps watching. She's like, I don't care. So he thinks about going over to Alex's cabin and seeing if Alex and his dad will go over to the Ukrainian's cabin and confront them, which we know they are Ukrainian because thank you, Becky, for actually talking to them. Right. So he watches from the window as another car drives up to their cabin and parks and goes into the party. So now we flip back to Jack, Lola's brother. And Jack gets out of bed to tell his parents that the music, like, he just can't sleep because of it. His mom has been complaining to his dad, too. So his dad decides to go over and say something. Lola offers to go with her dad to show the people they are kids next door. Maybe they'll be nicer because there's, like, a little girl with him. And the mom, like, doesn't really want to let her go. But she agrees because dad is, like, if something goes wrong, she'll be right back at the cabin. Like, I'll send her right back. Right. And the mom is, like, a very anxious person. Like, she's constantly worrying. Like, did you watch? You didn't watch Shameless, did you? No. I watched a couple episodes, but. Then never mind, because that reference won't make sense to you. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But for our listeners, Joan Cusack's character in, like, the first two seasons is what I imagined for this mother. Very anxious and just like, ah, about everything. So Jack watches from the window while his mom paces behind him, like, very worried. Um, he also no- The dad also notices that all of the other cabins are watching from their window as he, like, walks over to the house. Mm-hmm. So Steve joins dad, the dad, in confronting the people. Like, he walks out to join them. And right. when they get to the porch, the three of them are invited into the party. Jack <laughs> sends his mom back to bed because she's just, like, so anxious. And he's like, I'll watch. I'll let you know if anything happens. Right. So then Josh and Millie show up and they bring a bottle of wine over and enjoy and join the party. <laughs> Mood. So Jack is like low-key getting into this music. Like he's feeling it. And he starts dancing around the cabin in the living room, just like thinking about how weird it will be when the music just stops and it's just like deafeningly silent. Right. And because he's dancing, he doesn't notice the flames coming out of that house or out of the cabin. 
when he finally does, he runs for the fire extinguisher and then he runs to the other cabins, alerting everybody and to get them to bring out their own fire extinguishers. Dad, right. Lola and Steve have to jump out of the bathroom window window as like the fire just like spreads. Shit. So Justine runs to the pub to call for the fire department. Right. Well, while waiting, Alex runs into the house to try and save as many people as he could as it's fucking burning. How many people are in this house? Well, like, it's a lot of people because it's a party. And <laughs> yeah. So Jack and his mom go back into their cabin and just grab blankets because it's torrentially raining still. Right. Um, to grab covers for people when they come out of the house to just wrap them in because, like, they're obviously just in a fire and it's wet outside. Um, Gavin, the guy from the tent, brings an axe and just comes running out of the woods and just breaking open windows to let people out. Josh and Millie follow Alex out, but Millie wants to go back in because Violetta hadn't come out. But she goes to run back in and Alex and Josh stop her because the house is just engulfed in flames at this point. There was no. no way to go back into the house. Right. Jack notices Lola is standing there just, like, watching the flames with her hands in her pockets. I don't like this girl. They stood around the house as if it's, like, a bonfire. And then this is the last paragraph. But I just think it was, like, so well-written that I just wanted to include it. Of the book? Yes. Shit. And then the music did stop. And then there came a human sound he never wanted to hear again. And... And will always be hearing somewhere in his head. He was right, Jack. You notice when it stops, when the music stops. And that's the end of the book. It's okay. Right? And I did it in under an hour, bitch. That was such a literary fiction end. Like, that is yeah. so literary. Like, because n- nothing gets really solved. And because yeah. the whole book is kind of like a character study anyways. So, like. Yeah. And you, like, you feel like it could have been anyone at that point you think violetta made it maybe set the fire steve could have said it because he was like uh, you don't know what happened in the cabin so you don't know if it was intentional right or if it wasn't but i love sarah moss so i love i love this book i thought it was great um and yeah i'll send you the the quotes that i was sending Haley because some of them are really funny oh boy well, i mean the one that you sent me oh yeah about the mattress so i sent alicia this quote without her knowing who wrote the book and said, tell me if you think this quote was written by a man or a woman. The mattress is harder than at home and it hurts her breasts, which are tender today. And I was like, did a man or woman write this? And she immediately thought it was a man. Yeah. Just the focus on boobs. It was about Becky, by the way. Love that. Yeah. When she goes back to her room after her parents yell at her and she just flops down on the bed. I feel like, no, like, most women don't even really, like, pay attention. Like, they're just there. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless it's, like, part of the body dysmorphia that we all just ing- yes, intrinsically have. have. But, um, yeah, that one threw me for a loop. I was like, oh, um, for sure, a man. A man. A man. Yeah, that one, it was funny. I was like, I read it, and I was like, well, maybe she's about to talk about how, like, she's on her period or something. Nope, never mentioned again. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, so did you do your required reading for I only made it through about, like, halfway because, as I said, this week was, like, insane with work. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's very ironic because I just watched 
a Netflix doc on Nodler. And oh, that's really funny. So mm -hmm. to preface this, I sent Alicia a TikTok earlier this week in a message, not even in her TikTok DMs. Like I sent it directly to her and was she like, she knew that's how you get my, my attention. Actually yes. watch it. Um, about a Vanity Fair article that came out about Army Hammer. We finally have some sort of like good shit to like sink our teeth into. Yeah. Um, kind of. It's like more a history about his family. Yeah. That's, man's should have been in therapy before he was born. Like, that's, yeah. Honest to God. Um, but yes, it's a Vanity Fair article. I'll tweet it out after we're finished recording or maybe on Monday. Um, it was very well written and very well researched. I finished, I just read it like an hour ago. <laughs> it's long. It's a long one. It's, I, it's, I only read, I think I probably made it through, maybe I was a little more than halfway and it, I was like reading for probably 20 minutes. Yeah, it was, it's a lot, but it's so interesting. Like I didn't realize his family is so interconnected the way right. that it is. Like you think most like celebrities just come from like average families. Nope. His family <laughs> Not... was involved with like the communist party in Russia and Gorbachev yeah like shit insane literally mm -hmm. insane and then um what's it I can't like I can't remember what it's called but there's a documentary on Netflix about um Is it called dirty money no I don't think uh, so that one I think involves the Kushners never mind <laughs> hold on Netflix I'm just gonna look it up it should like literally come right up mm -hmm. made you look that's what it's called oh. it's on Netflix and it's about the art fraud that happened at Nodler, who Army Hammer's dad owned, Yeah, as we found out in this article. And yeah, I, I didn't I, know that. Yeah, it was insane. I, like, was watching this documentary, and they were like, oh, it was owned by, I feel like, Armand Michael. Hammer, and yeah. then passed on to Michael uh, Hammer, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Army Hammer's dad. Like, I'm positive. No relation to Armand Hammer, the... The baking soda company. Yeah, uh, yeah. He did. I read in the article. It talks about how Armand Hammer wanted to buy the company, and they rejected it. So he just settled for investing in the company, which is like okay, right? Yeah. But yeah, no relation to the baking soda brand. Thank goodness. Yes. So it was a very interesting, interesting read. And you get yeah. to hear from two of the women that he like dated recently, which yeah. like. You have like you've heard speculation, but you ha I haven't heard anything directly from them. Yeah, me either. So that was cool. But yeah, that was wild. I had wild to go out before I sent you that TikTok. I went and checked the date on when it was released because I wasn't sure if this was like old news. And I was like, oh shit, this came out like two days ago. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so definitely give that a read if you don't want to read one of the books that we recommend. If you want something shorter. Yeah. Please, if you guys can just leave us a rate and review let us know how we're doing we always i always we always forget to plug this part preferably five stars but i mean if you, you know. want to leave us a four star that's fine but please can you <laughs> refrain from one star reviews they hurt francesca's feelings yeah they really do i'm very sensitive you can ask shannon my therapist but yes please rate review us let us know what you like what you don't like what what you would like us to include yes um, or you can tweet us at Bookaholics Pod or find us on Instagram at Bookaholics Pod. 
You can find me on Twitter at HBI Cheska or on Instagram, Francesca Hope. And where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, Alicia Reads. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye!